Hi, I'm Hannah, team manager with the Orange Arrow Players Association, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to coach student athletes to aim for success off the field. Please consider making a play by giving, posting a friend raiser, subscribing to our podcast and YouTube channel, and staying connected on social media at Orange Arrow PA. Visit orangearrow.org for more information. Thank you for listening. Take aim. Now inside the play call with Orange Arrow, and I'm your host, Sean Robinson. Today's episode has been recorded in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, home of the city where it snows in the spring. Are you serious? It's really snowing in the spring? Crazy. On today's episode, we're going to hear from a friend of Orange Arrow within the education space, Dr. Adam Alvarez. Dr. Alvarez is currently working at the University of Pittsburgh Center for Urban Education. This fall, he begins at Roaring University in New Jersey as an assistant professor of urban education. But first, who you with? Yeah, yeah. Who you with? I got a couple questions for you. Right. A couple, this or that, as we call it. <laughs> now, do you button your dress shirt from the top down or the bottom up? Top down. Top down. Top down. Yeah. Okay. I had to think about it. Yes. Sometimes I leave them buttoned, and then I just slide it, slide it on like a t-shirt. You know. Seriously. It's happened once or twice. Wow. Okay. <laughs> So you have a button on, and you just throw it in your head like it's like a t-shirt. I haven't heard it. That's pretty. That's you pretty just funny. Like the top two buttons undone, and you'd be good. You know, just slide it right over and be on your way. Now, does it make a difference if you're wearing a tie? So if you're wearing a tie, do you still button that top button and go all the way down, and then I, come back and unbutton it? I rarely wear a tie. Okay. In those cases, uh, you know, I probably go from top down. Yeah. You know, okay. Down. Yeah, I'm, I'm also a top down guy. The lot, of course, the, the top button would be last, but uh, second button down. Tie on, top button, last. There you go. That's interesting because I still, no matter if I'm wearing a tie or not, I will go from the top the top down, okay. and then I will go back up and unbutton if I'm not wearing a tie. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's a good practice. <laughs> Gets a little right or wrong my, answer. My, my way works, though, you know. <laughs> it does. It does. The other one, would you rather be a Hall of Famer with zero rings, or would you rather be a bench player? With three rings coming off the bench, you, you're playing, but you're off. The, you're coming off the bench. I would say um, a bench player hmm. today. Okay. Maybe, maybe 20 years ago, I would have gone for the Hall of Fame. Um, but I think something that I've learned is that uh, you know we become a part of a, a collective movement. Okay. Know? So even if I can serve my team best on the bench, I'm all right with that. Okay. Whereas in the past, I think. Being in the spotlight was much more important, but uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I would rather support a bigger movement than be at the forefront of the movement. Mm. I should say that's good. That's good. I'm with you on that. Now I will be. I'd rather be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, that's just me. Because I think I go straight to basketball. Mm-hmm. And so I think about some of the Hall of Famers who don't have rings versus those who uh, contributed, came off the bench, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. have rings. But who are they? Yeah. Hey, Steve Kerr, maybe, maybe, maybe <laughs> Charles Barkley. Yeah, but I, I don't know. In the in the end, what does that really mean, right? Fifty years from now, it's hard to to say which one or the other was was better, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's really come down down to preference. Yeah, come down to preference. How about this? Would you rather be a kid your entire life, or would you rather be an adult your entire life? I would have to ask one more question and say, could I be a kid with my adult knowledge? Uh, and if that was the case, then yes. No, you cannot. Then no, I would I'd rather be an adult because there's too much that I don't think that I would know. You know what I mean? Like with the, with the kids understanding of the world, it's just it's just too limited. Now, what would be the time frame, the time span? So give me uh, maybe five years into adult life. Mm, Probably, I'd say about between 17 and 19, I would be, I'd want to be an older kid. Is that, 
Oh wait, wait, but you said you want you rather be an adult though. Oh yeah, but if I if I had to choose being a kid, I would I would be toward the to, toward the end of you know to emerging adulthood. I would say. Gotcha. But 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 if you said you want to be an adult mm-hmm. entire life, what's that time frame? Is it twenty to 25, 30, oh, 35, 40 to forty five? I'm, I'm appreciating my age now. Okay. You know, it's you know even physically, I feel like I'm I'm much better than than I was when when I was in high school or college. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, pl- I play adult men's baseball now. Okay. And I think to yeah, myself, we'll get to like, that. man, you know, I'm, I'm a much better pitcher than I was. Seriously. Then. Yeah, yeah. So so I don't know. A lot of that comes with the wisdom, right? And That's the, true. And, and, I get that. You know, uh, a bigger understanding of the the game and. and and all the moving parts. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling good now. I'm sure I'll get to an age one day where I'm like, eh, I'm <laughs> 10 years younger, but I'm right. not there yet. That's for sure. That's cool. Well, let's go back then. Right. So we, you're from the South, Houston. Tell Austin, us a little bit. Austin. Oh, you're actually from Austin. Right, right. South okay. Austin. Okay. To be exact. So, okay. So, you know, around here, you got to claim one of the 90 neighborhoods, right? Okay. Uh, and and right. where I'm from, it's you're either from North Austin you're from South Austin. You're from East Side, Old East Side. Okay. Uh, or you're from West Austin or Westlake, right? Um, and you probably heard of Westlake High School. Uh, yes. Big football team in the South. Right. Yes, yeah, so I grew up in, in South Austin. Pretty much uh, lived within a two-mile radius of everywhere that, you know, all, all my homes in the South mm-hmm. uh, were always kind of in the same area and community. So. Now, were you near the University of Texas? Now we're about uh, seven, seven, eight miles. Uh, so we're so so the the, the line is really the um, what we call Town Lake. Okay. And and so we're just just across Town Lake to the north is downtown Austin. Okay. Uh, and just just to the south of uh, of the lake is, is this uh, the SoCo district, South Congress, what's what's popping now. You know, a lot okay. of the, the the new hot places, but. But about three or four miles south of that, you get into a more suburb feel, um, you know, still pretty close to the city. But, um, you know, it's about a maybe eight to ten minute drive. Oh, so you're still fairly close, though. Yeah. yeah. So are you closer to Dallas or Houston? Houston. Houston is about three hours for most people. Okay. uh, And Dallas is about four hours. Okay. I say most people because, you know. There's some folks who like to drive. Right, they're rolling. And they claim they can get there in two hours and 40 minutes. <laughs> I know, that's hilarious. It's always a competition. Right, right. Yeah, speaking of competition, tell a little, little, little about your uh, sports background. All right, well, you know, I'm, as you can see, I'm sitting here and not in some picture, uh, you know, with a ring on. So uh, I, th- I think I was probably like, like most athletes, um, you know, maybe average. But um, I played I played baseball my whole life. I played football for one year. Did you? Just, just to, I know, I know this is new to you, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, the reason I played football that one year in, I think it was 10th or 11th grade. Okay. Was so that I could get into this private school. Mm. And, and my cousin talked me into that. He said, just come up here and play, man. You're big. You're strong. Yeah. They'll, they'll put you on a team, you know, get tuition waived. I'm like, all right, whatever. Right. So I went, that was the only year I played football as, as a lineman. And, you know, I, I never felt big for no reason ever in my life except for when I played football. But since I was about seven, seven or eight years old, I played baseball starting uh, right after T-ball. Okay. All the way up until my second year in college. Maybe my third year in college. Okay. Um, Who were some of your favorite baseball players? Oh, I, I mean, I, so I pitched my whole life. And... Um, and so my, my favorite, especially growing up in the South, was uh, Roger Clemens. Okay. Um, who played at UT. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. And and then of course Nolan Ryan. Mm-hmm. You know the Ryan Express dude was just a beast. Right. Uh, all the way up until he was forty, hitting ninety yeah, miles incredible. an hour, throwing no hitters. I mean, that dude was just just amazing. I met him one time when I was ten years old, at um, at at the University of Texas. Longhorns uh, alumni baseball game. So okay. have, you know the current team would play against some of the former, uh, some of the alumni who, who were were in the prof- professional leagues, and so they would every year they'd have somebody come out and do the ceremonial first pitch, 
And that year, Nolan Ryan was there. It's like, oh, we got to go we see got him. To. And he went out and he, you know, blew a few batters away and, and, and then he just disappeared. And after the game, we're just kind of roaming around. And my uncle goes, look, there he is. You go take your baseball right. up to him. Right. And so I, I think my mom still has a picture somewhere of, of uh, Nolan Ryan, my cousin Michael, and me as like That's pretty cool. nine, ten years old. But um, if you've seen the movie Sandlot, yes. uh, something similar. There's happened. no crying in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, 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 we needed a baseball to, to play a home run derby with. Okay. And I, somehow that ball with Nolan Ryan's signature on it ended up no way in the in the cul-de-sac while we were playing baseball and like have y'all seen that ball? Are you serious? Is that the one you just went and think, oh man, no! Oh, and our parents were just so upset. Oh yes, but that was before the movie came out. So, so yeah, I, you know, I know what Smalls feels like. <laughs> <laughs> wow! So they both went to University of Texas. Nolan Ryan didn't. Oh Nolan, but he was just at the at the event. Right. Okay. Right, yeah. Okay. Excellent. So tell us more about your 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 sports. So I so, know. Uh, so you're a pitcher. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I know. I read somewhere where you pitch a complete game. That's right. Yeah. yeah talk to yeah. us. Yeah. So, uh, so I pitched pretty much my whole life. Um, even even still today, I'm 37, and uh, I got back into the game after about 10 years. Uh, of not playing, but you know, I was up here and I heard that uh, they had a men's league. I was like, oh, come on, That's, right. that sounds like a joke. <laughs> and, and I went out there, and and uh, the, the head coach was like, so, uh, so what position did you play? I said I pitched. Right. He goes, look, everybody comes out here and says they. Everybody pitched. wants to be pitcher, right? Just and like in football, everybody wants to be the quarterback, quarterback right? right. Yeah, totally. So, I went out there. I was like, no, no, no. I pitched up into college. I mean, I was pretty good. Right. When was the last time you threw the ball? I said, oh, I don't know, about six, seven years. Okay. He was like, decide, like, right. this guy ain't going to do much for our team. But he let me go out, and, and I threw an inning, did really well. Mm-hmm. I was hurt for like two or three weeks. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But uh, prior to that, I was working with a, a high school baseball team in Austin before I moved up here, just kind of throwing BP, batting practice. Right. And, you know, just helping the kids get some reps. Uh, but it was it was just most fun because I was still around the game. You know, I'd go and give the the pitchers some some tips. Um, but prior to that, I was uh, playing at Houston Tillotson University. Okay. So I don't know if you're familiar. It's HBCU uh, in Austin. Mm-hmm. Actually, older than the University of Texas. And mm-hmm. so that's where I I, that. I got back into the game. Uh, but before I attended school there in 2004, I was playing in a summer league. And pitching, and then some coach came up to me, and he said, "Hey, now I know you're a little bit older than some of the other kids, yeah. but uh, do you have any eligibility left?" I was like, "Probably." I don't. He said, "Well, we're having tryouts over at Houston Tillotson. You have okay. to think about coming over." I was like, "What's well, Houston Tillotson?" Yeah. And uh, and I said, "Wait, that means I'm gonna have to get back into school, huh?" And and he said, "Yeah, yeah. Do you know how many credit hours?" So I had I had I had gotten out of school for three and a half years. Okay. Because my son was my my oldest son was born, okay, and you know I had to get, get had to go to work, you know, definitely, yeah. And so I was thinking, huh, this would be an interesting, so I could get back into school, right? Play. Okay, right. Okay. But yeah, so that was kind of how I got back into to college in two thousand and three or four, something like that. So long ago, uh, was 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 because I was able how about to play. That? Yeah, yeah, and then so and then prior to that, I basically worked. Uh, for three or four years right after I got out of college because my first round, my first attempt, my first at-bat yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. was when I graduated in 1997 from high school, went to school for three semesters, and, and basically just choked. I, I just I wasn't a very good student. Uh, I wasn't even competitive in baseball for them. They had, yeah. they had a pretty competitive okay. league. Um, you know, and of course, some, you know, various other factors. Right. It was just like, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't a good time for me. Yeah, that happens to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. so so that's kind of the the lineage of, of my baseball career, even even up till now. So And, and maybe there's more to come, you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, I might hit that 45 in Oprah <laughs> League and, and, just, and just blow up. But, yeah, I mean, before that, I was I was just always playing Saturdays, you know, in the summers. Yeah. Texas, you can play pretty much year-round. So that was, that was, that was a norm for us. So that's really interesting as far as the your educational background. I mean, you're 
you pursued your doctor, you know, your doctor Adam Alvarez, and, and but at one point you had to stop going to school mm-hmm. and for various different factors. So we're gonna get into the the education part a little bit more. But also one thing that you said that was interesting is that you got back in school because of baseball. Mm-hmm. And so sports is such a huge vehicle mm-hmm. for for young people to be able to pursue their dream, get higher education right, and be right, able to right. set themselves up for a better uh, a better future. Mm-hmm. I agree. That, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, and I I, I think um, you know, there there's there's so much to the to the story and the picture that that kids don't know. Right. Um, you know, it's uh, you know if, if if they were like me, it's just like oh, a chance to play again. All right. right. Do what? Right. Do what? But uh, you know, I, I think I think part of us, um, you know, we educators uh, supporting kids, whether that's really what they want to do, or whether it's just a you know a temporary means to just kind of uh, interact with with others in a competitive way yeah. while they uh, pursue their degree. Uh, there's just there's just so many moving parts that they need to know about, right? You know, uh, that I that I know I didn't know about. All I knew yeah. was like, where do I sign? And I go here. <laughs> exactly. Also, you know what I mean. But I didn't know that sometimes teachers and and schools look at us differently. Um, you know, well, those are the athletes. We got to make sure you know they they're passing. Right. You know what I mean. Right. So sometimes we miss out on 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 more rigorous and higher level learning opportunities at the expense of of the university's need for us to be, you know, at, at our best, right? right? So I think about, you know, that maybe we uh, shouldn't let kids know because playing sports is fun, yeah. you know, but then on the other hand, maybe we should let them know uh, because, you know, maybe there are different decisions that they would make, right? You know? and, and so I, I just think about uh, the ways in which uh, students are sometimes unaware of, uh, of the bigger picture. Um, you know, and I think, I think I often struggle with how much they need to know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this just in my, my grown up thinking, right. You know, some of the uh, thoughts that I have about my younger self, uh, and what that means for other kids who, who are in schools, um, maybe struggling. Yeah. You know, I think about, um, to hear you say I'm here with Dr. Alvarez right. is, is is still surreal to me mm-hmm. because, you know, as I was saying, my, my, I was out of school for a while and uh, I would say that school was not really like schools weren't really designed for me okay, or people like me. I always felt like, yeah, tell, tell me more. Well, I mean, I always felt like, like I struggled as a, as a student, um, you know, not, not because I wasn't capable, uh, but because the, the the ways that classrooms were constructed around certain assumptions that, right. you know, I came to class already knowing these types of things right. or, you know, that, you know, there were just, there were just certain um, things that I think teachers thought that I already knew. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, that made, that made, that made school tough for me. So, you know, I, as, I, as I think back, you know, I, I graduated, uh, are you ready for this? Yeah. With, with a 1.8 GPA in high school. Wow. <laughs> so, what do you mean, wow? Wow. I mean, you're Dr. Alvarez. That's right. That's How about right. that? That's wow. Right. So, so, that doesn't matter now, does it? But, yeah. But the point, the point I'm making there is that, uh, well, I think there are several points, right? It's uh, one point could be, um, you know, where you start maybe doesn't doesn't have to necessarily be where you end up. Right. Um, but it also it also makes me think about what little the school did to support me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like uh, to some degree, if we think about how athletes operate on teams, right? Um, you know, if the GPA were yards per game or yards per carry, uh, you know, people might start looking at a running back or or, or a receiver and go, "Ooh, 1.8 yards per carry. Yeah, some somebody got to do something, right? Right, right. So we can look at the athlete and say, well, you know, he can work out, he can do this, but eventually people start pointing at who else? You know, the teacher. I mean, the coaches. They start pointing out the, whether or not the linemen are doing their job, right. Right. right? And so, so in some ways, I look at that 1.8 GPA not as a representation of of my intelligence Mm -hmm. but as a representation of the support systems around me yeah right so had i 4.0 i probably would also have been very close with my teachers had parents who you know had had uh you know masters and doctorates 
came from a, a very affluent family. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so I, I think just in that message, kids should hear that uh, how our schools rank our levels of intelligence uh, in terms of GPA or grades is not representative uh, of, of what we really know right? in our level of brilliance, but can also be seen as a measurement of how well the system is supporting us. Um, so, you know, that's maybe that's too, is that too deep? I don't know. Yeah. I, I so, often think about <laughs> Yeah, no, that's good. That's good stuff. So let me ask you this. So thinking about to that time period, and did you cry out for help or do you think it was the the teachers just not be able to identify or write you off early once you have shown that you have not mm. you have not been uh, you know as successful as as we have you know would have liked? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. I mean, it's you know I, I often try to go back and fill those gaps in my in my memory. Like you know, what was it? Who, I can't even remember my teachers' names. Yeah. You know. And I, you know, I hear people go, yeah, I remember my fourth grade teacher. I'm like, how do you remember these people? Right. I remember my third grade teacher. You know, like some of y'all must have just had some really right. good teachers, right. you yeah. know. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But but what I can say is that based on what I see in schools today, um, sometimes I'll be in a classroom or even in my own experience as a teacher, um, I'll 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 capture a moment, almost like I'm taking a picture, right? Okay. But in the moment that something is happening or I'm observing something, it's almost like, like a, like a snapshot, like a still. And then I, and then a memory comes back. I'm like, Oh, I remember that was like me in class, you know? So, uh, you know, so for, so for me, uh, teaching was one way to kind of recapture my schooling experiences, um, you know, for, you know, through teaching other kids and go like, well, oh, now I remember, you know, my, you know, my teacher in English used to do this and I hated that. Yeah. So let me yeah. not do that. Right. Um, and then also when I observe and, and, and just watch other people and their craft, um, memories come back and I go with that. I used to do that. I used yeah. to do that as a teacher, right. you know? Right. Um, you know, so, so I think, I think part of my, um, moving toward, education uh, as, as a career and, and an opportunity um, uh, has a lot to do with trying to fill the gaps of my own educational experiences as a student and, you know, just trying to, to, to pave the way for, for other children to, to have more opportunities and, and, and to, to, to try to expand what teachers know, uh-huh. uh, you know, and, and that's, that's for athletes and for non-athletes, Yeah, you know, but I think, uh, you know, going back to the 1.8, right. Um, that was, you know, wasn't very competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I had better numbers in baseball. In fact, yeah, uh, I'm not sure I'd have to check, but I think I still hold the record for most home runs in, in a, in a, in a season How about that? for high school in the TCIL uh, district. But, um, yeah, I, I often go back to my Facebook and look at the folks and I'm like, y'all would have never guessed that yeah. I would be here. I would be here. Exactly. But, but, but I do want to say that I think that it's important to recognize that where I am today is, is because of, you know, a good part of that is, is because of the opportunities that other people have, have just kind of laid out for me. Mm, I was going to ask. Okay, that's good. And, and, and that's something that I didn't think about until I met my advisor, Dr. Milner, right? Mm-hmm who's also at the Center for Urban Education. And one of the things that one of the things that, that he helped me realize in the summer of 2013, so he was teaching at the University of Texas while I was getting my master's to be a principal. And I asked him out to lunch one day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I, I knew he was he was in Austin, uh, from from Nashville, was was here for six weeks. Or was there for six weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, university was paying him to to basically stay there and teach his summer summer course. Right. And and so I knew he couldn't say no to me. I knew he couldn't you know say <laughs> I gotta go home and take care of my family. So so we went to lunch one day, and I was surprised now as I reflect on this how little I knew and how how much I attributed my success to to my own efforts and merits. Um, so so the gist of that conversation was how did you get into UT? And I said, well, you know, I had to work really hard. No, no, no. But did, did you have to get any recommendations? Right. Right. It's like, yeah, yeah. Well, who wrote you? I said, one, one of them was uh, the superintendent of, of our schools and mm-hmm. she had, she went to UT. Okay. Uh, he goes, Oh, okay. Okay. 
And, and and I started seeing what he was doing. Right. I was like, wait a second. Right. That letter had a break on us, right? right. But he was like, did you score really well on your GRE? And I was like, mm, I don't think so. No, right. not really. And he, what were you doing before you got into into school? And I said, well, I, you know, I, I'm still teaching, but, you know, I'm in my fourth year of teaching. How'd you get into teaching? I said, well, let's see. Hmm. Holly Ingeman wrote me a recommendation. In fact, I didn't even have to apply for the teaching position that I'm currently in. It's like, wait a second. Right. And, and what were you doing before that? I said, well, I was a teacher's assistant in, in a school. How'd you get that job? I said, well, I've been working on the units, uh, the direct care units, because I, I taught at a hospital. Okay. And one of the teachers met me through uh, through some interaction that we had, you know, and, and she made a recommendation. This guy would be really good working up at the How school. About that? I went back to, I said, hey, I, ain't, I ain't done nothing. <laughs> all, all I did was, you know, I guess present my best self and, and develop relationships and, and build trust and loyalty among people to the degree that uh, they would feel comfortable working with me. Yeah. You know, uh, and I say that because, you know, there could be plenty of other doctor so-and-sos who would have been as good or, or better than me, but just didn't have the same sort of opportunities emerge. Right. You know, and so, you know, I'm not saying we don't need to work hard and, 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 and put forth effort, but uh, I think we, to, you know, in some ways we need to stop kidding ourselves that we are where we are uh, due to what we've done. Exactly. And so, you know, the kid who had the 1.8 GPA might have stayed the kid with 1.8 GPA had he not uh, made some shifts and met people and sort of tried to present himself in a different type of way and, and, and think about, uh, you know, and kind of embody the selfless uh, nature, yeah. You know, like what what what's good for other people? What's good for the the group and the whole? You know what I mean? People people totally. appreciate that. Yeah. The uh, the power of relationships. Relationships played a huge role in my life and, and got me to where I am now. Mm-hmm. And so so knowing that is that something that's important to you to be able to help others come along? Even even more important now. You know, I, I think uh, just in celebrating our uh, uh, students who who are in a program that we that we sponsored at the Center for Urban Education, um, you know, we had, we started out, I mean, we, this program served like 40 to 60 students, right? And everybody had the opportunity to, to join in and, you know, for whatever reason, some did and some didn't, mm-hmm. some joined and then changed their minds. But one group of students, um, a group of seven students remained committed from the second quarter of their ninth grade year all the way up until, you know, today. And they're they're, yeah senior yeah they're and they're graduating and so as I was thinking about how proud I was of that group, um, you know it was like you know y'all could have done any number of things yet y'all persisted and there was one point in the program when our funding got cut and they continued to show up wow and and the tutors and, and mentors that worked in the program too. Uh, continued to show up and, and it was like, you know, and, and so, so when I think about that, I also think about the interviews and the observations and, and I was reflecting, thinking, you know what, not one student ever said, I really like the way my tutor, uh, you know, teaches me math, you know, or, or, or he's really good at helping me understand these grammar concepts. Mm-hmm. Every student highlighted the fact that it was cool to hang out with somebody who was in college it was it was nice to have uh, a really close relationship with folks, yeah. um, you know, and, and, and they just enjoyed being on campus. And I was like, wow, you know, it wasn't really about what we were teaching or how we were teaching. It was the fact that they appreciated, you know, having an extra support system, you know, in their lives. Yeah, right? that's great. And so that reminded me of what's really important in the classroom. You know, the content's important and all that. Yes, but. Uh, we get students there by developing trust and loyalty and, and relationships, um, connecting. The, all, every single one of these kids now is connected to the center. So if they ever need anything, they can always reach yeah, out. Reach you out know, and, you know, when opportunities come up, guess who we're going to call for, you know, uh, opportunities right. for jobs or for scholarships or whatever. Right? Yeah. And so, so I think those are really important aspects of, of, of educators' work. Um, but also, you know, as, 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 as children and youth think about how they see themselves advancing, uh, on and off the field, 
I think, you know, it's important for them to realize that uh, these opportunities show up, um, you know, for people who, um, you know, are, I think, help to, 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 to shape uh, or welcome these opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you're, I feel like you're really good. In fact, I think about the first time you and I met, can I, can I bring go it ahead, up? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so, so yeah, I don't on. even remember exactly when it was, but it was at a mentoring, uh, or was it, it was at a, it was at a, a, a conference, um, for, for, uh, nonprofit organizations. Okay, yeah. Um, and we were, you know, everybody was dressed up, you know, and they were right. like serving nice food or whatever. And, and, and I just remember seeing you and meeting you and, and wanting to meet you before that. But one of the things that I, I think that you really do well is, is that, you are very, I'm not going to say charming because I th- charming has a different feel yes, to it. Yes, it does. But, right. But you're very, you're very good at socializing, you know, and I think that's important because when you think about the growth of Orange Arrow, uh, a lot of that is attributed to the, the way that you connect with people. You know what I mean? Like people become interested in wanting to support a program that's led by a person who is genuine who, who connects with people, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and so, it's, you know, in that sense, I think uh, uh, those who are involved in Orange Arrow should, should, you know, should pat you on the back and say, good job, no, you know, because I think, I think, I uh, think, but I appreciate it. It's not about me, but I appreciate that, you know, but, but you know, th- this is, this goes back to the opportunities, right? Because you're doing what you're doing. You're opening doors for other uh, people, right. including ch- children, including the folks who support. Athletes, all exactly, the above, right, right, right. And, and so, you know, I, I, I don't want to discount that. And I, and I want to make sure that you, that someone recognizes you, because sometimes we do work and it's like you get down to the end and you're like, Did anybody <laughs> notice? Uh, so, so I want to, I want to be clear about that, but I, I think that. the opportunities, right. So uh, I, I just remember you being, uh, very social with people, and, and I've also watched you do that with the, the kids that you serve. So, um, I, I think it's it's old saying that people do business people that they like. Right. So it's important to be authentic, authentic, real, genuine, and likable at, at at a simplest point. So stand with yeah. Pitt and Center Center for Urban Education. Tell us a little bit more about your uh, research. Yeah, so so my research uh, built really builds on my past as a teacher. So okay. I worked in a residential facility. So many of my students came to, so if you can imagine what a juvenile justice center is like, yes, um, a residential facility has a similar, is a, is a similar environment, but it's, it's supposed to be much more therapeutic. Um, so there's counseling involved, there's medication involved, and you know, kids are monitored 24 hours, but there's usually a school on site. And, and so if you can imagine a classroom filled with, you know, uh, 10 to 12 students who have supposedly been diagnosed with ADHD mm-hmm. or, or are grappling with some form of trauma, you can imagine how, uh, you know, uh, developing activities and, and learning would, would be difficult, right? And so I feel like I thrived in that setting. So when I came into my doctoral program, uh, I, I continued to have an interest in how teachers are able to pick up on those uh, issues that students are, are facing or, or uh, you know, challenges that students are grappling with, like community violence, mm-hmm. for example. Okay. You know, what, what does it mean for a kid to hear a gunshot and then come to school the next day and supposedly have to function, you know, right. as, like, you know, like it, nothing yeah, happened, yeah, you know, normally, right? right. And so, so, so one of the things that I'm really interested in is, is how teachers pick up on those vibes Mm-hmm. And, and what, how they reshape their their classroom instruction and activities to try to meet the needs of students, you know. Uh, and there's also a race component to that too. So does that differ by teacher race, mm-hmm. student race? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really the other strand of my research is is how best can we support teachers to center uh, race in their work? Gotcha. You yeah. know. Uh, and so you know, I'm, I work mostly with teachers and, and trying to help them. Uh, develop knowledge and skill sets to be able to to build their own instructional practices that that center race. And so, how does your research intersect with with with, with the work we do here at, at OA? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, g- going back to that time that I met you. So initially, 
this is what this is what my mission was for you. All right. <laughs> so I, I wanted to have you come and talk to the tutors and mentors uh, for the same program that oh, I was talking about. Okay. All right. So, oh man, he's gonna be really good. He's just so energetic, and you know, if we could just replicate this dude, right? But you know, that that ended up falling through. But I remained interested in learning more about you and the program, specifically about how you conduct class, uh, how you um, might train the folks who, who work in other classrooms across right. schools to just basically enact this curriculum, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what was that curriculum? So um, because, because of my interest and because of my initial reasoning for, for connecting with you, uh, you know, that's kind of how I, I came into the Orange Arrow fold. Right. And and so I remember, I guess it was about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, that I asked if I could observe you at all. Yes. Yeah. I think it was on 17 or 16. Yeah. I'm sure the um, 16, 17. Yeah. And, and, and I thought, it's going to be great getting back in the classroom. And and I just watched kids come in just excited. And, and you know, I'm just sitting back here uh, thinking and taking notes and just watching how you operate in this classroom, thinking to myself, like, what what is he doing that's engaging students that's so different than what their teachers, you know, in, in their you know core classes are, are not doing? And so I really tried to to you know observe what it was that you were doing. So you know, I spent the semester yeah. there, and, and and every week would show up. And just just document notes and, and, and data and, and, and just try to, like, you know, uh, you know, think about ways that we can improve our teachers yeah, practices. Definitely. You know, what's some things you found? So, yeah. So I, I think there are really four things that that surfaced in, in my research okay. watching you and, and uh, two, two of them, I think we've, we've already discussed. And one of them. So, so the first one I'd say is that you. Um, that you demonstrated uh, what I call the knowledge of the game, mm. you know, and, and I use that phraseology because, you know, the, the nature of the program right. is really about scholar athletes or athlete scholars. Right. Yep. And what I mean by knowledge of the game is that you seem to have a very um, broad understanding of how schools operate, about how children's lives operate outside of the classroom. Um, you know, what were some of the possibilities and, 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 for me, I felt like an understanding inside of school and outside of school, as well as an understanding about students, uh, you know, maybe racial and cultural backgrounds and experiences gave you a certain type of insight that allows you to develop activities and and, and, and then teach in a certain type of way. Yeah. And so that knowledge of the game is, is something that I think is really knowledge important. The, uh, the second thing was what I called uh, scouting also related to sports. Okay. Right? And what I've meant by scouting uh, is that I felt like you did a great job of uh, kind of surveying the landscape, if you will. Um, so when we scout in, a, in an athletic sense, we go and we kind of like check out, you know, the field, right. the players, you right. know, how, how things operate, right? And then we come back and we take that knowledge and we improve our practice. Mm-hmm. And so in the same way, I felt like uh, you scouted well by by understanding what the local places were. You know what I mean? Yeah. Who went to the school before these children, right? And so you were just and, and so so much of that means you had to do your own research. Yeah, it's important. Uh, so that the, you stepped in that classroom and you had some some you know points to to connect with them with. You know uh, whether it was the restaurant that people like to go, right? Whether it's former athletes. Etc. So there, there the are a couple of sports coach or what have you. Yeah, right, right, right. Prior achievements of the school in terms of sports, but and you know there are a couple of other big points that that I'm still uh, writing about, and you know I'll be happy to share those when those when those when those hit the hit the That's papers. Great. But yeah, I would I would love to read it. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it was it was insightful to 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 be able to be in a, what I call a, a a non-traditional education space because we tend to think that. If we're going to learn about and do research on uh, schools and, and students, we need to study teachers. In, in, you know, and, and so for me, there was so much to gain from an educator, uh, which I would argue is, is, is most of us. Yes, and, I agree. And what does that look like, you know, with children in, in school spaces? So that's kind of how we came 
came together, you know, so, you know, I had one mission, but then you invite, you invited me in for something else. And, and, and I was, I really gained a lot from that. I got to interact with some of the students um, and just see how you put things together, you know, and, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, my contribution from what I learned uh, will help grow the program um, in terms of how, 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 how it operates and, and such. Yes. Yeah. You have made a, a, uh, a great impact from the time you've been around me. One of the things, you know, you have helped me think about the importance of shaping, reshaping how we teach, mm-hmm. how we engage, even continue to look at our curriculum because it's a, it's a, it's a growing process. We never always have figured out. We got to be able to go, go with the flow I mean, and also be flexible, be flexible, be able to re- uh, react, but also even thinking about how do we even better prepare and prep our, our other teachers going out there because mm-hmm. while well, I may better do it one way, this other person may not be able to do it the same way, but what are they strengths and how do we help magnify that as well? Right. So you've been around for a little while. What's been some of your favorite moments or at least one of your favorite moments being with uh, around OA? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think uh, my most recent was just I'm thinking about uh, this event that you had where you uh, brought students together to watch uh, a video. Uh, what was it? Oh, uh, the movie. Uh, remember the Titans. Remember yeah, the that's Titans. our uh, talk talking the movie event. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so, so you know, the reason that was so exciting for me is because uh, not because you showed the movie. I think plenty of teachers and educators have done that in yeah. classroom settings, but. Uh, it was it was more about what followed, mm. and, and what followed was um, a discussion about some some you know themes in the movie. Yeah, you know, so it was it was nice to to give students the floor to hear them talk about what they noticed, right, and, and even perhaps what they didn't notice. So I think uh, what was common among all of them was that there were certainly issues of race going on in that movie. Right. Uh, you know, ho- hopefully listeners are familiar with the movie, but you know, yeah. it takes place in a, in a very racially tense time, uh, and, with a black head coach, right. white assistant, assistant coach is what he was, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and black and white players playing together, uh, on a really, a really good team that was coached well. And I think, uh, you know, so hearing the kids talk about what some of the tensions were, was important. Um, and then, you know, of course, my overly critical self was like, wow, they even say nothing about this. And, you know, <laughs> how, how, you know how, how does this send the message of, you know, that, you know, racism is no longer existing and that all it takes is coming together and, and winning, you know. Uh, but, you know, that's that's my 37-year-old. Yeah, right, overly, right. Yeah. You know, yeah, they're 10, uh, 11, and 12. Exactly, so, yeah. yeah but, but, but I think the point that I'm making is that allowing for that discussion and that talk about, uh, race and, and, and various issues related to race um, was something that you don't see uh, in most classrooms. And when you do, it tends to be very uh, filtered, mm-hmm. you know, and, and in fact, some, some of the work that we're doing at the center is around how teachers talk about race. And, you know, most of them say race is important to discuss, which I think I think I've heard you say many times. Um but it's it's around the issue of feeling prepared to do so. Right. You know, yeah, it's important, but I'm not really ready to do it. And so some steer away from that. And and so we have to address the issue of what kids learn by what we don't teach them. And and so I think what you're doing is really uh, supporting and taking their learning to the next level by allowing these conversations to happen. One of the things that was really cool about that event is that there, so we ran out of movie theater and it was a pretty diverse group. So I had black kids, white kids. So we had people from all different backgrounds and their families were invited. One thing that stood out is that when we had the debrief discussion afterwards, Mm -hmm. the floor was open to everyone to to get their input and feedback. But it was only the kids who were part of, been part of this, our overtime program who took the lead in this and had conversations and spoke up about the different things, the things within the uh, the movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I really don't remember any parents having any any uh, suggestions or really feedback because, as you said, it's, oftentimes people feel like it's difficult to talk about race. Right. And so one thing that's important with OA is that we want to build those cross-cultural relationships because mm-hmm. we're divided by so many different things, right. race, politics, religion, mm-hmm. sex, the list goes on and on. 
but sports is one of the ultimate unifiers. Just just how they do in sports, we want to bring people together, knowing that that's the truth. That we could bring come together over sports, but right. we don't actually, as you know, help them become better athletes, but become better people, right. more better people than they are athletes. And so I was really proud of the kids, mm-hmm. even in front of their parents, willing right. to step up and because in our in our sessions, as you know, the ball is the mic. So you have right. a soccer ball, a football, or a basketball. If you and uh, if you got the mic. Get to speak. Right. So I was throwing a ball around to those kids because they were right. throwing right. their hands up. So I, I was really proud of them to uh, yeah to see them engage that way. But going back to your earlier point, it's really mm-hmm. about building a relationship with them because that's not the first time I saw them. Right. And right. so to be able to build with them in their classrooms then over the school year, and so they they feel part of the team, part of the community, and right. they have that trust there. Coach Sean's gonna let me express how I feel, right. and, and 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 not gonna belittle their their point, but more so encourage it, mm-hmm. and everybody gets the, everybody gets the opportunity. Yeah, that's I mean that's it's important to point out. You know, I'm, I'm glad you came back to that because um, you know it's that's something that we forget is is that you know, and I've seen this with with researchers or you know, pre service teachers and and um, and and t- observing they're cooperating teachers uh, as a part of their learning process and they just watch these people operate and they go, man, they're just so good. I'm never going to be able to do that. Uh, so, so it's important for us to remind them and, you know, perhaps even uh, some of our young listeners that uh, how, how, how they see us, it, it comes with, with a whole bunch of, you know, front end work. Yeah. You know, so, so not to be intimidated by the fact that coach Sean can get up there and, and do his thing, right? But Coach Sean has also experienced some failures along with the right. successes, right? Definitely. Like, let's not pretend every class period is perfect and exactly. that you ain't have to get on a kid. Come you know, on. you listening right now yes. who you are, you know who, right. who you are. <laughs> right. But, you know, but that's important for them to know that, that uh, in terms of uh, experiences, they're not all like perfect. Right. You know, and so, so I, I know, and I'm, I'm glad that you acknowledge that that front end work is needed so that kids can have those ultimate experiences uh, where they feel comfortable and vulnerable with talking about really serious issues that impact their lives. You know? Yeah. And a lot of that comes from, as you said, it's not always perfect. And so mm-hmm. you have one or two kids who may be having a rough day. Um, there might be some outside issues mm-hmm. causing that. And so often we try to address that head on let's step outside, let's talk about like what's really going on because oftentimes their reactions, it's not because of what you're doing right there, but there could be other things, other factors where they're being mm-hmm. bullied, there's something going on at home, they could be hungry, mm-hmm. whatever the uh, case may be. Mm-hmm. But uh, So where do you see Orange Arrow going from here? I mean, I, I think I think at, the, at this pace, just, just, just in the time that I've known you and the program, I think at, at this pace, you're, you know, you, you, you could expect, you know, people can expect that uh, many more of these programs, many more orange arrows are going to uh, pop up perhaps at, at other schools. Um, I'm, I'm, and I may be jumping the gun, you know, by saying that, but uh, I, I think no, I'm, part not. Of, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> so, hey, you're not. All right. So because more to what, come. Yes. Because what, <laughs> I, what I see, you know, just in our interactions, you know, when I come by your office and, and, and watching the room filled with people who are talking about the program uh, adults, I mean, uh, strategizing about ways to expand. You know, you got uh, you know uh, students working on computers, and it's like it's like it's constantly moving, right? Yeah. And so at that pace, we can expect that more of these uh, Orange Arrow uh, programs are going to pop up. Just I, I would say across the country, you know, and and, and it may happen faster than you're ready. But yeah. but what I'm seeing in these interactions is that you're training. Uh, no, I'm not gonna say training. Uh, training training seems like something you do for animals. Right? <laughs> All right. So you're preparing leaders in gotcha. Orange Arrow, coaching, right? right? Coaching leaders, yep. and so I think I think a, a natural consequence of that is um, that they're gonna they're gonna feel confident enough to to lead a program in a different place. You know, um, and, and I, th- I think it's important for, I mean, cause not everybody sees that, right? Yeah. Um, uh, funders don't see that. Uh, folks don't see what goes on behind the scenes. Right. And, and I think that's important for folks to know that there's always this constant work around preparing leaders, because ultimately 
good leaders serve students well. Yeah. Right. And so, so you know, I, I see uh, a, a national um, movement around around this program. Um, you know, perhaps uh, inter inter university uh, connections with with Orange Arrow. You know, different ways to think about how to uh, engage students. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, different ways to reward students for participating, right. for reaching back, and so forth. You know, maybe that's another phase too. Is that when kids graduate, they they, they come into the program, and and, and also uh, engage in Orange Arrow from now the coach side. Right. It's, right. I mean, you're, that's that's down the road because yeah, you know because they're of, younger. Right. But it's really interesting. We have some kids now who started when they were ten, but now they're entering high school. Mm-hmm. They've already started reaching out and said. How can what can we do to help? Mm-hmm. Can I be a mentor? Right. And so, so to your point, we're starting to see the early uh, stages of that happening. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there, there's there's definitely some growth all over the place. I mean, I, I, I see you smile and, and nod, and I'm like, I'm, I must be close. You yeah, know, yeah, you're definitely close. You're definitely close. I'm anticipating. You yeah, know? We, we can't share everything right now, but yes, right. you're definitely you're you're definitely uh, definitely really close. Yeah. Excellent. And so, anything else you want to share? How do we stay connected? All the listeners, sure, Twitter sure, or whatever. I am on Twitter. I know you're going to roll in here soon. That's right. On Twitter, I'm uh, at Adam underscore Alvarez 13. Uh, I will be moving uh, to New Jersey in probably this summer, July, right. August, maybe. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, I'll be an assistant professor of urban education out there, continuing my work, working with PhD students, master students who are interested in teaching and working with students as well. So perhaps, you know, an OA pops up, uh, you know, <laughs> further further east, and and, and I'll, I'll know a little bit something about it. But yeah, I'd be happy to to connect with you know teachers, uh, uh, parents, students, administrators, whoever uh, is interested in and in, uh, and contributes to Orange Arrow. Uh, you know, follow me. We can we can uh, bring our work together and continue to to grow Orange Arrow and, and really just to. To ensure that students have the most opportunities right, to, about. to get past that 1.8 GPA, right. if that's them, uh, and, and just create new pathways for, for all students um, to, to, to be successful. And that's at Adam underscore Alvarez, A-L-V-A-R-E-Z, 13? That's right. Yeah, right. Yep, that's me. The number 13. Well, Adam, thank you for your support. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your time. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.